You're listening to a Whales Are Whales production. You're also listening to Whales. Visit whalesorwhales.com for more projects and shows like this one. Hello everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today we are going to be talking about The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, parts 4 through 6. Um, so a couple notes, first of all, if you want to be fully engaged in our discussion, I recommend reading this. You can pick it up on Amazon, Kindle, book places, anywhere. And secondly, if you don't want to hear spoilers, I wouldn't listen to this episode yet because we are not holding back on any. Um, and that's it. With that said, I hope you enjoy our discussion and have a wonderful time. Yeah, yeah, gonna go with that. It's a, that's a cut, that's a take. Hello, and welcome to Third Person, a podcast about sharing our love for and conversation about storytelling and fiction. This is season one, still, and in it, we're all bringing a different book to read through. And today's book is still Abigail's. We're going to be talking about Act 2 of The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. And joining me for that today are my two co-hosts, one of which is my brother, whose name is Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Uh, hello there. Hi. Hi. No need to be excessive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being minimalistic. Exactly. How very artful of you. And the other one is Abigail Inslee. Hello, Abigail. Hello. That was amazing. That was interesting. That was fantastic. That's what I want. I was put on the spot there. I didn't know what to do. (laughs) You were put on the spot by me greeting you? Yeah, I was really nervous. (laughs) And for people who don't know, I'm your host, Brian Kelly. You can now use deduction to figure out Stephen's last name. Hi, Brian. (laughs) What is this? Bookaholics Anonymous now? (laughs) Uh, That wouldn't have been a terrible name either. That really wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are kind of stupid, but not terrible, so I suppose it would have been fitting. Um, so with the introductions out of the way, this is Act 2 of The Book Thief, so we all hopefully read the apportioned part, which is Barely. parts 4 through 6. Yeah, Stephen, we kind of cut it close. I was, it was I mean, you thought you were done. I thought we were doing up to chapter or part five see this is the funny thing when i first said parts four through six i specifically pulled you and said what do you think that means Stephen?" and you said reading all of four five and six and i'm like good it's clear and then you go and read part four and five and tell me it was unclear uh well okay let me rephrase it i thought i was in a different part than i was but i understood the rules okay good because i was afraid that it would be unclear and then you were assuring me that it was fine yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like a basketball player who brings a cantaloupe onto the court, not because he thinks cantaloupes are allowed, but because he thought it was a basketball. Gotcha. That's so a for really good this... comparison. <laughs> totally <laughs> believable, too. Really Sports honestly. analogies. Didn't think you'd find him here. <laughs> well, you played tennis. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, so for a discussion of Act 2... Um, for me, instead of going like through the whole thing or all the characters like we did last time, there were just a few different points I wanted to start discussing. And of course, you two can bring up yours as well. But I thought I would, in book thief fashion, describe these points as death would at the beginning of a part. So, oh, good. a few important discussions. Death, Max and Liesel, Rudy's role, and questionable necessity, the point of all this, and an ill-settled security. Now we can now go about discussing all of those. That sounds so the first good. one was death. What do we all think about his role going forward in the book now? 
uh, better. I've warmed to um, whole. I've warmed to the whole death thing since the last time we talked. <laughs> <laughs> His characters definitely come out more, and I'm really appreciating it. His it's not even just the narrative in the way that he's telling things is great. Um, because he's done a lot of these little things that just make me go, ooh, mm-hmm. that was kind of cool the way you said that. But right. he's had his own chapters. That has been great. His journal, reading from Death's journal. Yes, that has been, been really idea. cool. And I think that, honestly, I think his his role as far as the storytelling aspect of it goes is to basically keep us apprised of what's happening in the rest of the world right now and kind of yeah. like focusing out and being like, hey, guess what? A war is still going on. But because it's from the point of view of death, it's being told in a very much more interesting way. You know, he's like, my boss is like looking over my shoulder the whole time and I have to get all these souls and it's so hard. It's really funny. Because it feels like typically what they have to do for these types of books is bring in, you know, have Lisa overhear conversations or hear things on the radio, hear things at school and keep you abreast of the world that way. And either info dump more than a child would probably know at that point. Or kind of not really give you that much information. But death is a nice bridge between the two things where Absolutely. they can keep the main characters blissfully ignorant of that stuff while also bringing all this stuff to your attention. I'm not really sure there's a, a reason you need it brought to your attention, though. Because not a lot of it, Liesl, no. Liesl's just going to encounter things about the horror she lives. Um, she she can't avoid it, really. One moment, and I'll be right back. Oh, okay. Well, well I, guess I, have, I guess I offended Brian again. It's so <laughs> difficult working with him. Continue. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what was I saying? War. She will encounter them. Um, yes. So no matter what, no matter how she lives her life, she's eventually going to run into into things that will remind you of the war. And it's a war that has been so well documented and so many stories have been mm-hmm. written about it. You could probably just connect the dots without any kind of info dump. Especially since it really doesn't really matter. You know the Nazis are there. You know the Jews are bad news for anyone who's going to be helping them. And that's all you really need to know for the story. So I'm not saying that, that I don't appreciate death kind of giving us a broader look, but I certainly don't think it's necessary for the story. That's true. And I guess it all depends on where the story's going, because we still don't know if it's going to have a huge plot. I don't think it is going to have a huge big you know finale oh all this stuff happened and crazy and everyone died brian everyone died yes what happened while i was gone (laughs) we're just talking about death and death's role and not all right not being i'm not sure if this story is going to get bigger than it is um Mm -hmm. if it's going to know it's going to end right it's going to end with max uh boxing hitler right oh yeah absolutely and then they're going to lure him into a theater and explode it so. <laughs> uh, no yep. jokes, no jokes. Okay. Um, but anyways, my my thing was um, going through and looking at this. I like, I kind of like seeing the broad scope of what's happening because it does give me some more emotion. I do agree mm-hmm. with Stephen's point. It does not. I totally agree Need to be told mm-hmm. necessarily for the story. But I so kind do you of think? Like yeah. Seeing who death is through it, which has been really yeah. interesting. I think that's a good point, and I think you're right, Stephen, that these events, and maybe this is your point, maybe it's not, uh, they more of illuminate death than death is illuminating these events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think that's a good point, and especially since uh, death is starting to reveal himself as, um, in a way, having weaknesses. Um, before he seemed all-knowing and totally went about his business and kind of felt mm-hmm. sorry for all the humans who were dying, but now he's like, hey, this is tough, 
And especially at the very end where we were reading, he seemed a bit uh, confused. <laughs> like, yeah. he seems to have a hard... De- Death is apparently not an easy title to hold. And it's not no, something... No, he's constantly talking about how tired he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also find it interesting how he goes out of his way to spoil the story for his <laughs> audience. And he's just like, whoops, I spoiled it. Oh, well, you know what's going to happen. I don't really care about that. Um, yeah. Which is funny. That definitely... uh, we predicted... Go ahead, Abigail. I was just going to say, as far as him spoiling things, that was actually one of the things that I thought about as I was reading. Um, not only does that make him the most interesting character I've ever read, because he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Rudy dies, so there's that. I'm like, what? <laughs> In two years? And yeah. so that really upset me, though, honestly, reading it. I'm like, I would have rathered you let me read to the end, and then he died, because then I would have gotten a little more time blissfully ignorant but at the same time mm-hmm. i'm really appreciative of how the author has been able to successfully tug on my emotions during this part yeah because that's what i like about books is the emotional uh tugging so when death comes out and says something like oh yeah one of these characters that i made you kind of fall in love with yeah he dies and it's so casual it just kind of makes you want to cry a little bit yeah well death would do that he would you know, death makes you <laughs> cry. i mean that's not exactly out of the no ordinary. death makes you stop breathing brian <laughs> she's got a point it got me there abigail um that's a, on that sobering note um <laughs> something i do want to mention is a lot of us i believe we said in act two we were all predicting that hans would die we were wrong yeah apparently we were pretty wrong about that and you know with rudy also dying i'm not sure that's the direction they're going to go at this point and especially with the scare with max almost dying mm-hmm it, um, it is kind of interesting how they uh, managed to I w- sort of transfer your um, fear and emotion from um, from uh, Hans to Max, mm-hmm. whom mm-hmm. I didn't think was going to... He, I thought he was going to be more of a plot device rather than the main character you're caring about. Maybe right. it's just because Liesl kind of grew so close to him in a strange mm-hmm. way through these days of him hiding in the basement, you kind of thought about him a lot more than anyone else. And Hans was there to help, but you weren't worried about Hans anymore. So that transitions nicely into my second point I wanted to talk about, which was Max and Liesel. Um, This act was pretty much entirely about Max coming to their house, living with them, and the relationship that develops between him and Liesel. So any thoughts about that? Was it good? Was it not? Um, At At first, I thought it was a little weird. Um, cause I'm like, these two are growing awfully close, but at the same time, um, as I was going through, I was remembering, mm-hmm. you know, she herself equated him to being her brother and she's right. like, how could I forget my own flesh and blood? And then I just thought back to act one and how the author totally foreshadowed this relationship before it came yeah. up, which made it feel very realistic. Um, because he had her waking up every night with nightmares. It wasn't until Max, mm-hmm. uh, or shortly before, I think, Max came, maybe at the same time. It was around that time that she stopped having nightmares about her brother. Um, and then Max came and basically has been taking that role. And so it's kind of been this, right. I've dealt with this, I've healed from this, and now I can let someone else in. And it's been a very interesting so emotional. it's almost like she got her surrogate father and her surrogate mother, and now she's getting her surrogate exactly. brother. Exactly. 
uh, and kind of piecing a family back together from all these people around her. It's funny because it's still the most unfortunate situation that she could possibly be in. A foster Mm -hmm. mother, a foster father, and a Jewish brother. (laughs) (laughs) What I like, one thing I really like is that it's so, it's so hard to live with and so, so much tragedy surrounds this. But Liesl, maybe it's just who she is or maybe it's just being a kid, but she manages to have a happy, normal childhood anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, despite it all, she, you know, like when they were building the snowman, it's like that would be like the worst Christmas I could possibly imagine in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But to her, it was great. It was the best Christmas they'd ever had. And, you mm-hmm. know, they, they, it's just, it's, you want to talk about books letting you live in someone else's shoes. At this point, I'm starting to feel a bit like that, at least more than I was in the beginning of the story. Right. I think partially because it's less of an origin story at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like it's doing more of its own thing with the story it's deciding to tell instead of establishing things that feel familiar. Like, mm-hmm. apart from the bomb shelter scare, and even that was really short, it is not nearly as much about hiding a Jew as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a story that I think is kind of, it's weird to call it played out because it was, you know, such a seminal event in modern history and has so many you know, emotional resonances you can do, but it's almost a cheap tactic to use in something World War II at this point. You want tension? Hide something from the Nazis. Um, mm-hmm. It's like in every World War II story. Well, one way um, that this book avoids the trope is to have death almost flippantly, but oddly, um, respectfully note that this is essentially a trope. That he'll just say, and in this case, it was a Jew. And you're supposed to know everything that means. He's like, yep, right. that was the situation. You know it. I know it. Here's what happened. That's um, a good point. That it, does help to mitigate it. And also that they're living their lives. Like, every time they talk to him, it's not about how they're going to hide him. I mean, it actually comes up pretty rarely. Mm-hmm. It's just a reality of life. They figured they that out. They're doing the basement yeah. thing. It's shaky, and they've had some some close calls, but uh, it's working. The, the story is about Max adjusting and growing closer to them and possibly being taken away. One thing Mm -hmm. I really liked was um, it it wasn't, it's not about how they can hide him, but they did have that one chapter. um, I forget what it was exactly titled, but it kind of made me cry when I read it because I thought it meant Max was going to die. But they said what to do with a Jewish body. Yeah, that's the, that's that, what I thought because you had mentioned you saw a chapter uh-huh. title and that chapter. And I'm like, oh, that's what she. Yep. And I actually I skyped Brian at that point and said, no, 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 and he thought I was dying. Um, but <laughs> I thought that was so such an interesting way to do it because every Jewish book or not Jewish book, but every German Nazi hiding a Jew book is like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. we got to hide these people. We got to keep them away from the Nazis. What happens if they find them? In this book, it's how do we get rid of the body if he dies? Like, right. How are it's a question we you don't normally consider. Exactly. We can't leave him in the basement. We can't take him out. We can't explain this in any way. And so it's not only vital that they hide him from the Nazis, it's vital mm-hmm. that they keep him alive, which has been right. a very interesting struggle. And I really especially, like that. Especially since uh, I think it's human nature to feel like a twinge of guilt when you start thinking about, oh man, someone discovering this, this corpse in my house is going to be such a nuisance yes like, well this is a this is a person we're trying to keep him alive we yeah. care about the person right right guys mm-hmm. but yeah. it it's those little realities that ca- the characters every once in a while have to dip into mm-hmm. um that uh-huh. disrupts the 
the child that Liesl has and constructed if, for herself. I forget if it was in part two or part one, but I like how Max is so self-aware of what he's doing and knows that he's basically putting this huge burden on people but is compelled to do it because he's so desperate for survival that he mm-hmm. never really actually leaves the basement. He doesn't even that's like what he wants to do. You know, I could imagine it in some movie or a book or what have you, where he leaves. You could the imagine notes. in a book, Stephen. I couldn't see. I, I couldn't imagine this being written about. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. That's that's rude. Um, <laughs> I could imagine him like leaving a note and leaving oh, yeah. because he's you know he sees what a problem it is, but. Honestly, I just don't see him ever doing that. I don't think he no. has the the the, the will. The, yeah, That's he does not have the will. That I've really appreciated about this whole story, this cast of characters. We always imagine that in the character, and we're like, "Oh yeah, you know, if I'm writing this, he's gonna be like, oh well, I'm such a burden, so I'm gonna leave and then tough it on my own." If you put that in the terms of real life and you and me, that would not happen. Yeah. I no, do things. That is, yeah. Even little things in my life, I'm like, I know I'm being a burden on you, but I really need a ride. And so you exactly. take it anyways. It makes you feel like crap, but you still take what other people offer you, even if it's a nuisance yep. to them. And so I really like putting that in this. It just makes everyone seem yep. so real. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I know it's a burden, but I'm going to keep making you come to this podcast. Uh, I know it sucks. Steven. I hate doing this sorry. every week. And if I was sorry. writing a book, I'm not returning Abigail your week. sister until, until <laughs> we're done with the season. So No, that's fine. You can keep her. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> wait, oh, she's probably listening. I love you. <laughs> what were you saying, Stephen? Uh, well, I was just going to say that um, third person does not uh, recommend uh, kidnapping. Hmm, or, I do. Or ransom. Am I third person? Because I totally do. <laughs> you're, you're a third or third person. Oh, shoot. Um, Ooh, funny. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right. So anything else about the relationship between Max and Liesel? Um it's probably my favorite moments. part of the book, other okay. than the death monologue stuff. I did gotcha. not think that was going to happen, but um, it's mm-hmm. hitting this very um, resonant space of um, feeling natural, but also awkward and one of your... surprising. Yeah, I remember one of the first character pairs you wrote in your book a long time ago, and one that still stays with you is that, you know, 20-something guy who found a young girl and kind of became her surrogate brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very similar plot. And I think that it just, that's been a resonant plot with you and is also kind of an interesting dynamic you don't often get of that um, that older brother kind of person who isn't actually related to them coming into the story. I think it's a good time to take two people who are completely different stages in their life finding a way to relate anyway. You know what that reminds me of? Uh, it reminds me of The Last of Us. Yeah, that's more of a surrogate father, but it's a similar... But it's these two people, and The Last of Us is a game created by Naughty Dog. They also said the Uncharted series um, for the PS3, and now PS4. Um, it's kind of a, post-apocaly- a post-apocalyptic world with, with zombies in it, but that's kind of say. selling it short. It's mm-hmm. not about that. It's about these two characters, this uh, this man who's lost his daughter during the initial apocalypse mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and this girl who was born into the apocalypse and knows nothing else. And they just sort of right. land together and they don't get along. And she's too, like she's younger than her, his daughter would be. And, you know, he's this grumpy old guy who's kind of mad at the world, but somehow they connect and they keep surviving together. Right. And it's those, those, 
those quiet moments between them that matter so much. And that's it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing in this book. A very different relationship, yeah. but it does remind me of that. So I think you're right. Mm-hmm. There are also some nice touches, Stephen. For this second part, I've been listening to the audiobook, and you've also been listening to the audiobook. Um, but there are a lot of cool touches in the original book, uh, especially that uh, book that Max put together for Liesl. They illustrated the whole thing in the book, which I thought was really <gasps> Y'all didn't get that. Oh, that was great. I went back to it and looked it up. That was mm-hmm. And yes, that was a super cool touch. You could even see like fragments of Mein Kampf on mm-hmm. behind it. That was really good. Uh, so that's Abigail, something um, that I really yeah. liked about the whole, mm-hmm. this is a completely different subject, but that's something I really liked yeah. about the whole thing is uh, the book as a whole, you know, we talked about those little asides from death. I like that they just put in pictures every once in a while. Um, right, and like the and... the seven sided die had some illustrations mm-hmm. during that whole chapter, and yeah, cool. I went back through the book, and I'm like, man, they do a lot of cool. How this book is framed in the words is innovative. Like this book is so good; it's telling a familiar story, but the storytelling around it is just so out of left field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely that's kind of it. Like it's the story is it's very good, but it's nothing special something out of the ordinary mm-hmm. but it has right. this this ethereal like deeper larger than life sensation surrounding it just because of who's telling it mm-hmm. um and right. now the moment you're getting into a comfortable groove he he sets you aside and says let's talk about god for a second and then it's like <laughs> wait what is going on you're spoiling the ending you're spoiling the beginning you're like I, yeah it keeps you on your toes and thinking a little yeah in, in more dimensions than you would otherwise Yes, well put. Um, so moving on to my third point here that I wanted to discuss. With discuss, I'm, I'm drunk now. All of a sudden, uh, Rudy's role, <laughs> Rudy's role, and questionable necessity. As in, do we like where Rudy is at this point? Is he need to be there, or does he just kind of have to be there? That was kind of our opinion on him at the beginning. He was just kind of a sidekick, um, kind of a comic relief of the book, you might say. Uh, what do you think about Rudy at this point, Stephen? I think Rudy still very much feels like a standard have to be their character, but at yeah. this point in the story, it's more welcome than it was before, for me at least. Mm-hmm. Because before, he was just another element of Liesel's childhood struggles. Um, mm-hmm. But now, he's sort of like the relieving, familiar, comfortable childhood struggles. Uh, well, she's having to deal with much more intense things at home. So kind of going back out, outside of the basement and the, the whole Jewish, Jewish situation, that's hard to say, um, he's kind of just um, blissfully unaware of everything else that's going on in her life and can just focus on the kid stuff, which is, which is kind of nice. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. What do you think, Abigail? I very much liked that he is now... Although he still feels very side characterish to me for the most part, I can tell that he's not because he has his own world that he's living in separate from Liesel. Um, and we've been able to see some of that. But basically seeing him get into trouble by himself, seeing him getting, you know, facing his own world of hurt apart from Liesel is showing me, oh, hey, he's still pretty important and he's going to play a role. Um it, mm-hmm. It's interesting seeing his development. He's annoying me a little bit, honestly, because yeah. he's a stupid 
13 year old boy and 13 year old boys are just annoying (laughs) (laughs) but he's definitely getting his own part and he's also getting a little i like having the threat of rudy finding out about her other life there because while she's hiding Mm -hmm. her jew she's hiding from the nazis she's also hiding from her friends and rudy is whether she would choose to admit it or not is her best friend and Mm -hmm. it's interesting seeing her have to hide that part of her life from him so um, when it came to the scene where she's trying to get back inside so she can warn her parents that the nazis are coming she has to figure out a plausible excuse to get back in or else he's gonna ask questions later he comes back over to check on her and she just kind of shoos him away as fast as possible and it's been it's kind of been an interesting conflict and i think that that's going to come up a little bit more right um i also think he's become a lot more interesting since um he you know his impending death is around the corner because mm-hmm. suddenly everything he does becomes a lot more like oh maybe it's the last time he does that or that or that mm-hmm. and, you're and kind of thinking <laughs> as he gets into trouble and picks fights um i'm just going no that's not smart that's not smart just stick your head down yeah. do what you gotta do kid pulls out a knife it's like oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know uh, so, no matter yeah. how deep the trouble is he's not gonna die not, not yet. Quite yet not yet not yet not for not two years he picks a fight with a bomb that would be bad. And that's just not even. That's logical. coming soon because they did also say that the city that they were in gets bombed. That's true. So, and that's, that's true. I think that's one of the things I love about death. <laughs> 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 Out of context quotes on this podcast are fantastic. <clears throat> that's uh, one of the things I love about death is that. Um, what isn't there to love? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's the, my favorite part. Um, anyway is that it's sort of this bold... I'm pretty sure you can hear all of the fireworks outside. I'm sorry, we're recording this on New Year's Eve. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, Gosh darn kids. I thought it was a bomb. Oh, Oh, right. Houston is being bombed. Your your editing is getting creative. I I like it. Um, Anyway, my point. I had a point somewhere. Let me go see if I can find it. Um, Sure. Oh, yes. It was that it's this sort of brave statement... Um, telling you how things are going to end and how characters are going to die and basically exterminating the hooks and excuses you would normally give yourself to continue reading a story and saying you're gonna have yeah i mean this story is going to be good enough for you to enjoy the pure human emotions and Mm -hmm. complications that arise in the moment rather than just saying i have to see how it ends or i have to see how he dies you know, that's, that's a good point that I was going to bring up when you're halfway through yours and I didn't know where you were going. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Um, and I totally agree with that because typically he even said it himself. Like, you know, the plot twists, the endings. That isn't what interests me about this story. I've seen that a thousand times. It's how it's told and what happens. And it's like, well, that's very analogous to how this book is written. Mm-hmm. Um, where the plot points themselves are interesting. It's all about how they're told and the specifics of what happened. And how people deal with it. And kind of just, mm-hmm. not everything feels like it has to be a big plot point. It is kind of just a moment in these people's lives that they may remember or they may not. It's the opposite of, and I don't know why we keep bringing up this TV show, but the opposite of Arrow, where a lot of it's <laughs> oh in the moment character relations and decisions are just kind of boring and dumb and predictable. But at the yeah. very end of the episode, 
they'll throw like two or three bombshells at you. And you'll be like, right. whoa, I have to see what happens next. And then they ruin them all by the end of the season. Right. And then in the next episode, it's like, okay, that payoff wasn't worth it. But at the end, whoa, who thought that would happen? I have to see what happens next. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. And when you, when you're reading a story like that, it makes you feel less valuable to the storyteller because you're like, they're just dragging me along so that I will give them their money and yes. pay to keep yeah. watching this. But when you get a yeah. really good story that's like, you know what? I'm going to be different. I'm going to tell the story how I want to tell it. And I want you to enjoy it because it's a good story. That makes you feel a little more worthwhile. And it honestly makes me want to finish the book because I want... I felt like it was a challenge when Death said that. He's like, oh, by the way, Rudy dies. Oh, shoot. I spoiled that for you. You know what? It's fine. I'll just spoil it for you. He dies. Two years from now, he dies. And I took that as a challenge to say okay, I'm going to read the rest of this book and see if it really is as good as it could have been. Because um, uh, most books would hold off. Ideas of how he's going to die. Or to see mm -hmm. if death is lying, because that's one thing we haven't considered very much, is <laughs> he might be a total liar. Um, that, yeah, does, I'm like, still super confused on how seems, much death is making up. He seems like a pretty honest fellow. He and does. And he obviously, he doesn't really like, he doesn't like death, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, it's hard for him. Like he says, war is not his best friend. War is the annoying boss over his shoulder. Exactly. So I don't really think he has any reason for us to lie about, or I'm sorry, any reason to lie to us about his job. He might be making some yeah. things up and extrapolating, but I don't think he's going to mm -hmm. outright lie. I feel like he does yeah. kind of like to mess with his audience, though. Yeah. Like he'll sometimes <laughs> say something like, he didn't wake up. For eight days. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> thank you for that addendum. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he, he, he does have his fun with it for sure. I mean, with the name of that chapter that scared yeah. Abigail. Yeah. Yes. He was totally doing Exactly. That. He does like to mess with us. And it's funny. That's something that I've noticed about me as a person. I, I like when people mess with me. I'll get mad at them. Mm. I'll tell them I hate them and I'll hit them or something like that. But I like when people mess with me and mess with my emotions. So when he's doing this to me and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, what to do with a Jewish body? And I just scream because I don't know what to do with a Jewish body. Um, <laughs> it's it's making yeah. me hate the book, but love it because of that. Right. Yeah. And I interestingly, I was pretty sure at that point, even when the, that line was coming up, that Max was not going to die because I feel as long as Rudy's death is impending, mm -hmm. I have the sense of security that no other character is going to die <laughs> until then. And again, that could wrong. be him playing with you. I, I, I still have a wrong. sneaky suspicion that Hans is going to die. He's told us about Maybe. two times that he's escaped, but it's 2015. Rudy, we know that though. he's not alive yeah. now. <laughs> 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 that's a fair point he's so got to die sometime right sometime. whether it's yeah, um, or not so that kind of brings me to my next point we've been our transitions here are wonderful which is what is the point of all this and that is do you have a good sense of what the broader plot is going to be or where it's going from this point is it all about hiding a jew when will they win when the war is over i think the more that I read this book, the more that I think the plot is how to live life during World War II. Yeah, I, I kind of do too. I'm not sensing this huge crux coming up. There probably will be some kind of a um, climactic moment, but it's mm -hmm. going to be something like Max's almost death. That was a climactic moment for Act Two. Mm -hmm. I don't it's think that there's going to be a Max big plot. Dying will be the end. No, I don't think so. It may right. end when the war ends. It may not. 
Mm-hmm. But well, we have some clues. We know Rudy's dying. We know that two more times death is going to be nearly souls. One on a, I believe, a crashed plane, and a second time with uh, like a wreckage of a bombed city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know those two moments are both happening in Act Three, which is interesting. I was expecting one in each act, um, but he's saving the second two times he he meets Lisa are going to be happening in this last third of the book. Mm-hmm. I suppose that. Um... Another way to interpret the story would be the healing of Liesel. Yeah, I was thinking that because too. Because, you know, it started out Death explaining who he was and what the world was. And then Liesel being there completely broken. And throughout these chapters, she has um, kind of... Other people have helped to fix her again. And she's sort of sor- she's sorting things out. She's recently seemed to do away with some of the old nightmares, even if it's just replacing the person in them. Um, and maybe, maybe by the end, she will come to some kind of closure or revelation or just contentment. Um, and I don't know if death has alluded to this or not, but is it possible that the book will end with her dying? Mm. Where he meets the it girl could. one last time, and then that's the end of the story. Maybe that's, that's how he point. knows the whole story. Yeah, maybe she gets bombed. Um, that's interesting. Well, you did mention that the third time that Death sees her is in the wreckage of a bombed city. Uh, we also yeah. know that Rudy's going to die. I highly suspect that those are the same moment. Unless yeah. Rudy's the second Death. Because she talked... The- well, he talked... He described his death scene for us already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was also amongst wreckage. Well, it depends when yeah. Death is relating the story to us. Like, he's eventually going to meet her in Death. He just has mm-hmm. to. Everyone dies. Yeah. So question that's is, true. how much interaction do they have with death after they die? That's going to be an interesting thing. See if he gets that answered for us, because he talks about scooping up souls, um, handling some with care and some not. But I'm wondering how conscious those souls are when they get scooped up. I have a feeling he's just the postman, and he has nothing to do with them beyond the the delivery. At least that's mm-hmm. that's the way I I read it. But he's Hermes. I, Essentially, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't know though. That he doesn't really like to get into that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, are there other forces of life out there hanging around with him? Who knows? Yeah, that's a hmm, that's an interesting question. And yeah, Death stays really cagey about all of that. He mentions God once or twice, and um, he mentions that he doesn't believe that. in God. Does he mention that? Well, he mentions that he doesn't get answered by God. He doesn't right. outright say that he doesn't believe in him, um, but he he interacts with God the way that many humans interact in that. He's like, well, right. I'll say a prayer, but I don't really hear anything. Yeah, it's just like, I guess my job is appointed and I'll keep doing it, but I, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really good moment. It made him very, very human because we assume, hey, you're death. You're probably working with the higher beings. But in this case, he's like, well, I'm here. I'm doing what I'm doing just like you. Uh-huh. Just one step above and he doesn't know what's above that. It's been interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we don't know what the point of this book is going to be, but we have some interesting theories. It's a weird book. <laughs> so it's to be expected. It is a weird book. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to predict. It's kind of quirky. Is good. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so my final point in ill-settled security is, for me, I've read some other books that take place in World War II. And I know this book isn't necessarily trying to be the darkest book, but I feel like nothing really bad ever happens 
And I feel it's an oddly like comfortable and I'm trying to decide how to put this. I feel safer than I, I feel safer than I think the author, author intends me to feel. Partially because of death's omniscience and partially because of how it's told. And I don't need like horrible things to happen all the time, which needs to be the trend with TV shows and books now with Breaking Bad and um, Game of Thrones, etc., etc. But I feel like this book almost is pulling its punches more than it intends to and almost feels, and maybe it is, more of a YA look at World War II than a real look at World War II. Because I've read some others and they feel more real than this does. This feels a little bit storytelling. You have you to think? you have to take into account f- one not only from whose point of view it's being told, but from what country and at mm-hmm. what point in the war it's being told. That's true. Because right it's now it's in Germany, which honestly is for a German citizen was probably one of the safest places to be, um, besides Switzerland. Um but it's it's taking place in Germany. It's not taking place in a super high priority part of Germany, so it's not mm-hmm. going to be the first one fired upon. It's taking place in a completely civilian zone, and it is also taking place rather. I don't want to say early in the war because it's it's not early for the Germans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I think it's about 1942 at this point. Yeah, the war got really really intense towards the last couple of years. Right. It wasn't and, quite as mm-hmm. heart-stoppingly bad. Yeah, and to be fair, it's not just the war. It's also, like, all of the characters you feel completely safe with. Exactly. Like, Rosa. And I'm saying this as kind of a criticism. Rosa, Rudy, uh, what's his name? The Hans. You're just, like, totally trust, golden-hearted... Um, even Max, like you don't ever question if these people are going to betray you. You don't mm-hmm. question if they're going to have real faults. There are some superficial faults to them like Rosa, but in the end, they're all such good people that it's almost there's no tension. You don't wonder, is Rudy going to rat out her secret and tell her and maybe he eventually will. It's kind of like, except for some people who are just like kind of stock mean people, like the leader of the uh, thieving group they meet later on who beats up Ruby, Rudy or the... um or the leader of the Hitler Youth, it feels like everyone involved is just kind of always going to be there for you um, to almost an uninteresting extent. I almost, I don't really see that as a problem given that this Hmm. story so far has focused on telling the story of a girl's life. Um, And that's what's happening. And if I look at my life, the people who surround me constantly, I have no questions as to whether they'll keep a secret. I have no questions as to whether they'll be there for me. And it's completely safe there's a couple people that i don't Mm -hmm. trust and i don't talk to them and that happens um but if we're looking at it from that point but i mean most stories are more interesting than our lives to be fair but true i don't know i mean (laughs) things are making people tense she had a horrible horrible beginning and you know when she first moved in it seemed like rosa was an awful person Mm -hmm. Um, that was really mm -hmm. i'm not saying that rosa was magnificently developed as a character or, or that right. she's particularly nuanced. But I don't personally subscribe to the idea that every story needs points of tension where you can't trust everyone. I agree, but I feel like the story, I get the sense that the story feels it's being a darker story than it is. Mm, I don't think um, so. They, they go, okay. they, I think they, they go kind of out of their, I mean, I wouldn't say the book was out of its way to make you feel comfortable, but mm-hmm. Somehow, Liesl has surrounded herself with people and lives in a house that is difficult to live in and kind of mm-hmm. obnoxious, 
but save right. it in good. And I, I guess I really well, she's for me, also really young. Mm-hmm. A, a young kid is not going to understand everything, and they're going to feel relatively comfortable. Yeah, that's true. I guess um, what made me wonder about this is there is a quote on the back of the book from Time that is, Zusak doesn't sugarcoat anything, but makes his ostensibly gloomy subject bearable in the same way Kurt Vonnegut did in Slaughterhouse-Five with grim, darkly consoling humor. And, like, if that's what he's going for, I don't feel that's a good description of it. And, of course, that's what another critic says about it. Mm-hmm. But just this idea that I, I feel he kind of does sugarcoat a lot of things. What do you think he sugarcoats? Um, hmm. I'd have to come up with very specific examples. It was more of a general feel mm-hmm. than if I would go through and find specific events. I mean, it's but, it's oftentimes relaxing to listen to. It is... yeah. Uh, Every there's kind of a warmth about it. Nothing mm-hmm. truly bad or perilous or horrible happens on screen. Not since the beginning of the book, but right. it did happen at the beginning of the book. And death has narrated. What was it. the horrible thing that happened at the beginning? Her brother dying. Yeah, that was terrible. Okay. Like that train yeah. ride was just like, like pretty pretty awful. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so maybe sugarcoating it isn't the right word, but I also don't really agree with that description. It doesn't set a very accurate tone. Right, and of course that's not the fault of the author. I mean, the, the editor puts a slightly misleading thing on the book. That's fine. But I just get the feeling that it's... And maybe because a lot of the discussion about it has been, you know, how bad Liesl's situation is and that sort of thing. And I don't get the sense that her situation is really all that bad. She's poor, but... As far as they go about the real horrors of poverty or running out of food is Rudy's hungry. Like, it feels like, it feels like I don't really have any sense of danger of her situation except a little bit of the Nazis might find me. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a problem. Sometimes I just feel it contrasts what the situation would actually bring and you never get a sense of real, real danger going on. And not just in the way that the child isn't noticing the danger, but in no one really is. I suppose I can kind of understand that. Um, like Rosa makes a big, gets really upset when they run out of work, but I never really feel the tension that they they won't be able to survive. I yeah, guess I, so. Here's here's my thinking on that. It's a pretty intangible thing to describe. Yeah. No, well, here's, because I, I know for me personally, um, I am going to relate this back to my own life. Because mm-hmm. I've been through situations like that. I've been through that long period of time where we're not sure if we're going to have a paycheck to put food on the table. Right. Um, it's happened before. And seeing it through my eyes, not every moment was wrapped up in that, honestly. Oh, yeah. It was an ongoing thought process. It's, okay, you know, how much are we going to have this week? What's going to happen? Are we going to be okay? But honestly, I wasn't concerned with it at all. I was concerned with mm-hmm. how much school I was getting done. I was getting concerned with what my friends were saying to me and what I was talking about or, you know, doing chores or whatever. And so as I read through Liesl's story, hearing about Rudy's hunger, and honestly, that is kind of getting to me every once in a while. And I'm saying, oh, yeah, that's that really sucks. And they're in a really bad situation. But kids are kids, and kids aren't going to focus on that. If they don't have food to eat, they don't have food to eat. They'll get what they can. They'll continue stealing. They'll do whatever they want to do. But that doesn't stop them from riding their bikes. That doesn't stop them from playing soccer because it's not on the forefront of their mind. It's completely out of their control. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just relating that back to my life, it's completely realistic. I get that it's not quite as exciting, I suppose, but I 
am a very big fan of not making things in books overly exciting. I think that that's a oh, flaw. So I've very much enjoyed the way that he's doing it, and I am going to flat out say that I completely disagree with you on all of this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh, that's my uh, my defense. I'm going to wedge in between these two opinions and say that I definitely get what you mean, Brian. And now that I think about it, um, it does seem like there's a certain weight and or a, consistency yeah. to the trials that may be lacking. But yeah, to be fair, I'm not criticizing it for this. I'm saying I I don't... Maybe partially it's because death is the narrator, but it's not like I'm saying I want more horrible things to happen. But I feel like the book is tackling incredibly weighty subjects and halfway doing it. I, and it's I halfway agree with very, you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> No, I, I think I, I get what you mean, um, but then again, considering we're so focused on Liesl, it makes sense that it doesn't all mesh together and that she's yeah. not worried about that. And Death isn't worried about that. He has such a weird, high-minded view of things. It's it's mm-hmm. going to give you some strange... I think maybe my bigger complaint is that it does feel so normal, and Death should be making it feel weirder. Other than that, yeah, I don't know if it's a huge issue, yeah. but... Yeah, I guess I just get the sense that it's telling this... Again, I've read other novels that tackle a similar kind of time period and similar things going on. <clears throat> and if I got the sense that this is all because it was from the mindset of a child, that would be one thing. And maybe something that's confusing that is death does not speak like a child. Yeah, Death mm-hmm. speaks with raw honesty. And I'm like, your raw honesty is less honest than people who aren't being raw honest, rawly honest about this sort of stuff, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like the book's saying, oh, okay, I'm cutting through this and saying the real truth. And this is still, like, much less than I feel the real truth to be in a lot of ways. Perhaps it's just strange because I can't quite get what death cares about. You know, right. give us all kinds of, like, opinions or thoughts and viewpoints on very human, ordinary, mm-hmm. day-to-day things. But then he'll take a break to, like, tell us the tragedy of the, what the sky looked like and why that was important. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And... I think it goes just goes back to I would like more of it to be flavored with death. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> maybe that's what I meant. Like I may be misattributing the disconnect I feel or, or not explaining it well, but I definitely do feel a lack of weight to the book in one way or another. Yes, not just tension, I agree with that. Yeah. It's not an important okay. story. It's yeah, obviously and I don't mind not. that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I've, I've read, I know I have at least two other books told by, um, young girls. Uh, mm-hmm. one would, sorry, in World War II, one would be the story of Corrie ten Boom, The Hiding Place. The other mm-hmm. one is called Number of the Stars. Um. Right. One. I've never that one. Yeah. One's being told, neither being told from the point of view from a, of a German, neither are they being told from the point of view of a Jew. Um, this has been a very different story, though, because it doesn't feel as weighty or as important as the other ones. But I kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. Every World War II story that I hear is something big, something important. This changed yeah. this, or this happened, or we went to a concentration camp, and that was yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, even in um, the other one that I mentioned, the, the Boy in the Striped Pajamas, that one ended up being really weighty and really important because in the end... He ended up getting in some massive trouble that mm-hmm. affected the rest of his family. His dad was higher up, so it affected him, et cetera, et cetera. 
I kind of like that this is a small scale look at, hey, there were actually real people that lived during this time, and there were people that this affected, but didn't affect in the way that you thought it yeah. would. I almost feel like it's one of those like life sections in the newspaper, just bringing light into mm-hmm. a situation you wouldn't normally look at. Um, yeah, and I don't know the numbers or statistics, but maybe the other thing that just, maybe my bigger problem is that they brought in the Jew. Like, mm-hmm. you're hiding a Jew in your basement. Everybody in a World War II story <laughs> hides a Jew at some point, yeah. it seems like. And it's like, if you're going to tackle that, maybe it's kind of cool that that can happen without some traumatic event around it. Like, surely yeah. there were Jews that just successfully hid. But I guess it was that idea of they just had to bring that plot point in, so you assume it's going to try to be more impactful there and isn't. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not necessarily sure that's a bad thing, but it still does feel kind of unoriginal, and still there's some kind of lack of weight there. So it's a weird to conflict. To me, this is just that. all residual stuff from our first discussion where we all see yeah. more complaints. And I think those things are just still there. Um, it's just right. a lot of the other elements and story beats and character arcs have been elevated, but still mm-hmm. there's this kind of slightly rudimentary slightly unfocused um bounce along and just kind of tell this typical story that in a way is boring Mm -hmm. in a way is sincere and you're right in a way kind of lacks a certain sharpness of reality but um right more death is what we need and i'm I'm sure i'm just comparing in my mind to other Mm -hmm. to other world war ii stories i've seen and just where it's lacking and i love that it's just telling a normal person's story but it seems to be doing in such a self-serious way yeah, mm-hmm. in also a non-serious way that I'm not sure it all comes together or not. It's kind of like a light-hearted, light-hearted story told in a very serious way, and that juxtaposition's making it confusing. Right, which is the opposite of again that quote, which is like he's not sugarcoating horrible things, and it's like that's kind of the opposite of what he's doing, and that he's making kind of normal things seem darker. It's really weird, <laughs> and I don't know if I like it or not, but I'm interested in it nonetheless. It's definitely it's definitely an interesting read. I yeah. have I have had to throw out all of my prior thoughts on mm-hmm. stories and just been like, okay, I'm just gonna take this for what it is because it's obviously right. nothing that I was expecting. It's been very it's interesting really to have to redefine. Exactly. I mean, it's a hard book to discuss, and I think that's what makes it an interesting one to discuss. It's not just like, all right, here are the plot points. Let's discuss if those were good or not. Did they make a fun cast of characters? And was that plot twist predictable? All right, we're done. That was discussing random YA novel number 32. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This one brings a lot more to the table um, and thus makes it have more uh, yep. nuanced discussions, even if they don't always entirely make sense even to us. I agree with that. <laughs> so do you have any last thoughts on that, Stephen? Um, I, I don't believe so. It, it was it's very interesting how our conversations short, sort of evolved into a um, tumultuous uh, um, kind of chaos of difficult-to-describe opinions. Um, kind of like the book itself kind of like the book itself that's so consistently thematic (laughs) yeah i like it i Um, I was acting just trying to be as thematic as possible kind of to close it out (laughs) i think that the book has certainly gotten better as far as i'm concerned oh yeah Yeah. the the plot between max and liesel is far more interesting than all of the liesel antics we were you know it doesn't feel like tom sawyer anymore that's become secondary which is uh, definitely a good thing is tom sawyer just tom sawyer is a better um tom Mm -hmm. tom sawyer yeah no one right? can do Tom Sawyer like Tom there, Sawyer. I felt like I was pronouncing that weirdly. Anyway, um, Tom Sawyer, my my, my favorite Sawyer? American hero. Tom Sawyer. Uh, Tom Sawyer. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. 
Um, so yes, it's certainly. Imp- you don't even want to hear me pronounce uh, Huckleberry Finn. Way. <laughs> um, and I, I, I have high hopes that it's going to keep getting better. Um, mm-hmm. I just still my old complaint is there. I think it needs to be more consistently through the eyes of death. Um, yeah, but we're getting more of that, so that's good. Uh, it went faster this time. It felt like it took so much longer to read that first uh, part of the book than it did to read the second part of the book. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if the, the length, well, partially because you read ahead. Uh, well, no, not even. Like I took big oh, okay. breaks during that first one, but this time gotcha. it just I was much more eager to go back to it. I didn't feel like I was trudging yeah, anymore, um, which is great. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I've definitely. I'm honestly. Once we hang up here, I'm going to go and start reading the part three. <laughs> it's it's pulled me in by now, and I'm actually invested in people, which it didn't do for the first part. I would not have gone back had it not been for this podcast. I mm-hmm. probably not that I didn't want to. I just would have forgotten about it. It was low priority. Yeah. But I really want to see the end now, not because I want to yeah. find out what happens, <laughs> because I think that anything big happens, but just because I want to see the wrap up. That's what yeah, I, I feel with see. books especially, so many of our points of confusion or our criticisms, you can't solidify until you see how he wraps it mm. up because maybe all of this makes sense. Like, think of trying to criticize Fight Club if you only saw the first half of it. <laughs> like, you yeah. can't. Um, there's just, and maybe it ties together in a way I'm not seeing currently, or maybe they make a twist on the whole hiding a Jew concept and, and bring it to new life or something like that. So I'm also really curious just to see how thematically they wrap it up and where he's intending to go with all of this, yeah. um, since it's really not clear to me at this point. Um, so, yeah, uh, my, my advice for you, Abigail, is save at least like a chapter or two to read the, before we record so you don't just like finish it and lose interest in the two weeks. Say, oh, right, I have to talk about the book, don't I? I'll take lots of notes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just I found it very interesting to talk about something directly after reading it for the first oh, time. Oh yeah, that's absolutely. Kind of one of my thoughts. Yeah, like precious. Abigail was mentioning story of beats that I read today, so it's very fresh. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Any last thoughts before we close out here? Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you too, and I cannot wait until next week where we, uh, well, I guess the week after next week, <laughs> yeah. where we uh, right. talk about the third part of uh, this great book. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> this, that is a great book. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> I guess I'll jump into outro stuff here. <laughs> on that wonderful note. On that hilarious note. All right. So as Stephen alluded to, uh, next week we're going to have a bookmark episode. We don't know what yet. But the week after that, we're going to be discussing Act 3 of The Book Thief, which is going to be uh, Part 7 through the epilogue. So just read the rest of it. See what you think. Man, that's exciting. Yeah, we're actually going to finish and a book. Uh, Stephen, do I, do I get we're to going on to yours Ooh. next, so choose okay. a book. Okay. Please don't make it that World War II novel. You I'm going to choose the first book I see on my bookshelf, which is okay. the History of Sonic the Hedgehog. So, guys, what? Yay, get I've ready for a wild for ride. So long. Homework assignment: You all have to write a piece of Sonic the Hedgehog fan fiction. <gasps> after, after mine is going to be about we... Emerald, the robot who was created in Sonic Battle for the Game Boy Advance. I remember him. Yeah. Good luck. Okay. All right. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, after all that, uh, go to third person pretty simple just at third person wait aren't Email. we third person, show? third person show then why are my notes incorrect <laughs> i don't know you wrote the notes <laughs> did you hot sabotage my notes steven i might have subconsciously i'm sorry all right well 
we have your subconscious to thank for completely interrupting my flow, don't we? It, wait, am I your subconscious? Is that what that happened? Would explain that would explain much. much. <laughs> so look for us at Third Person Show on Twitter. The email is thirdpersonshow at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You guessed it. We're Third Person Storytelling Podcast. You can or are find we us there. Third Person Show? I think it's we're just, just Third Person. person. I just like the Facebook page today. So yeah, y'all should do it too. a little slow on that. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. I um, forgot that we had one. <laughs> Uh, also, we are a product of the Whales Are Whales Network. Go to whalesarewhales.com for more awesome shows like this with awesome people like us. I am on Twitter at Lord Meldor. Stephen is on Twitter at StephenKelly180. And Abigail is on Twitter. Let's see if I can remember this. Is it still Aimless Hyperbole? No! Is it Thinky Read? It's the Thinky Reader. That's so weird. It's the Thinky Reader. Yeah, you confuse me on social media. Aimless Hyperbole wouldn't fit. Oh, I know the pain. I yeah. know the pain with many show names. All right, so it's the the Thinky Reader? Yeah. All right, and she's on Twitter there tweeting about... I, I don't know. What do you tweet about? I don't know, but <laughs> obviously it's interesting because every time I tweet, I get a follower, so look me up. Every time. Every time I get at least one follower, so... Every time a bell rings, Abigail gets a Twitter follower. Yeah. Um, so. I kind there of just are. tweet funny stuff, so I'm worth following. There you Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that'll do it. Uh, thank you, Stephen. You're welcome. Thank you, Abigail. You are welcome. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great week. And, oh, shoot, I need a new outro, don't you I? You say Happy New Year. Oh, wow, that's so normal and great. <clears throat> Have a great next 365 days, everybody. That was so great and normal. <laughs> and graceful. So normal. Slick. <laughs> uh you can make it on the right. streets. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>